Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Double Cleanse podcast with me, Robert Welsh. And me, James Welsh. We are, um, I don't know what I was going to say. We are, we are many things. Um, today we have a very special episode. It's actually one of my favourite episodes. We've recorded it already. It's one of my favourite episodes we've done so far because I feel like Mm. we both, um, learn a lot from that episode and like, um, really kind of got into the subject quite deep. Mm. So today we are speaking to the founder of Very Good Light is a beauty and skincare um, online publication primarily aimed at younger millennials and Gen Z. Um, He is also the founder of Good Light, the skincare brand, which I am loving at Mm -hmm. the moment. And now also a author, which we're going to talk about in a little bit throughout. The reason why David is joining us today is because we want to touch on a little bit about um, gender, I guess, and gender identity within um, the beauty space. Not just skincare, um, not just makeup, but it goes a bit deeper as far as, you know, why we have in place the kind of um, gender guess, stereotypes yeah, and roles we have in, in beauty. Well. And I think the thing we, we both liked about Good Light as well, the skincare brand, is when you look at that, and we, again, we talk about it in, in this, but when you look at the advertising and the products itself, it doesn't feel like, it feels like everyone's included. And we do talk about that a little bit later on. So we thought, what a great mm-hmm. person and a great brand to um, kind of dive a little bit deeper into gender stereotypes in beauty. Yeah. But as we said, we feel like David is pretty much the perfect person to talk about this subject. His work has appeared um, everywhere from like Nylon to Vogue to GQ. And he's also been nominated for a GLAAD award as well. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So, you know, it's Pride Month, right? Here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of w- wanted to get a bit of pride in here somewhere. Get a bit of pride in here somewhere. Uh, somewhere. Listen, bit... while we're talking about mm. the products, because this is a skincare beauty podcast, just mm. quickly tell us about the products themselves as well. Like, what is it you love? We both use them. I, mm. with skincare, I could be like, oh my God, that's so nice. But I don't know why. So, yeah. <laughs> if you so the skincare at the moment, it's three products. It's a cleanser, a serum, and... And a toner. Um, it, it's kind of like, again, it's it's kind of this really amazing in-between of the simplicity in skincare that people want. From like non-stripping cleansers um, to barrier skin repairing serums. But all with a bit of a personality. All with kind of like a story behind mm. it. Um, and all with... 
so, something that you relate to in a strange way. I know that sounds weird, but again, we'll, we'll get more into it. Mm, but they're yeah. just very good products that go more than just being functional, which is something I really, really look for in skincare. I want my skincare to be a brand and to be a story and to stand for something. And I feel re- that's what this brand does really, really exactly. well. So should we start... Oh, before we get into it, we have a yes. discount code for you for the skincare. Yeah. So if you use the code DOUBLE you get it's it's a really good deal so you get it's buy one get one free so if you use a code double so you can basically buy you can get the whole um skincare line from just buying two products yeah can... well, i would i would highly recommend because there's only three products at the moment so mm. if it's buy one get one free buy the cleanser get the mm. toner free whatever buy the serum then i would actually double up on the cleanser because you're going to go through it so quick because it's going to become your favorite cleanser because it's yeah. simple non-stripping but really really effective if you use it on dry skin you could use it as a double cleanse you are going to love it yeah it's beautiful it's really really a good skincare that's just like no um it's not confusing it's not too much it's just the perfect amount for me as someone who mm. isn't like so into skincare but needs to know i'm using good stuff yeah i was gonna say this anything. is an advert or sponsor. <laughs> they've just very kind of given us a code so it's a code yeah. double and you get it's buy one get one free which is such such a good deal so good yeah perfect. so thank you so much for giving yeah. us that code for our listeners should we get into it Let's get straight into it. Here you go. Three, two, one. Here we go. Hello. That's Hello. <laughs> I told you I was awkward. I was awkward after the pandemic. We have just been talking for about 15 we minutes before then, so for me to weird. say hello halfway through is a little bit strange. Social awkwardness from me. So, well, thank you so much for being here. We really, really appreciate it. Um, what was I going to say? I don't know. Carry on. <laughs> Listen, for those of you who aren't familiar with yourself, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you began, sure. how everything came to be, your whole life story? <laughs> In Year 30 one. seconds. <laughs> In 30 seconds. Got it. Put the timer on right now. I love the challenge. Uh, my name is David E. And I am the co-founder of Good Light, which is a gender-inclusive brand. It's a skincare brand. And I'm also the author of the upcoming uh, book, actually. It's called yes. Pretty Boys. The yes. legendary icons who redefine beauty and how to glow up to. Try to say that fast three times. Yeah. And that is coming out June 22nd. And the editor and founder of very good light, a men's and mask identifying beauty website. Which is amazing. And let's just get yeah. straight into it. Shall we? Can um, I just say really quickly oh, okay, about, yeah. about your book coming up? I'm such a huge fan of um, beauty history. And I feel like something that isn't really touched on is um, uh, gender in history. It is very slightly like women couldn't do this, men expected this. Right. But when it comes to certain icons throughout history, they're very rarely touched on. So I can't, cannot wait for the book to come out because it's going to be such an amazing, important yes. part of beauty history that I don't think anyone has really touched on before. So yes. yeah, I'm so excited. It's, it's you know, such thank my you little for that. thing. Yeah, I feel like so many of the gatekeepers and historians are afraid mm. to talk about the femininity or an expansive version of masculinity or how these powerful beings or warriors wore Mm. makeup as Mm. if it makes them less than or weaker but you know we'll we'll touch upon that later but it's so fascinating that all powerful people no matter your gender beautified i think it's innate within Mm -hmm. all of us we all want to beautify because we feel powerful when we're snatched 
Yeah. Yes. 100%. That's the thing as well. And I think uh, the beauty has moved on, especially more recently, from being a thing of like, you're expected to do it. And especially this year, actually, to a more yeah. self-care, self-empowerment thing. Um, just For a, sure. Just a, sorry, I know we need to get into it. Just a quick story. I always remember when I worked in, this, um, in a certain makeup brand shop. You this, can say the brand. When I worked for MAC ages ago, <laughs> there was this, um, a guy and he would stand outside with a megaphone. This was in um, Carnaby Street in London. And he would... Um, shout at, at the, the staff who worked and he'd be like you need to stop objectifying women and all this other stuff and the the people who were shopping would always be like he knows we're doing this because we like makeup. wearing makeup and yeah. we like makeup and it's it's very much like um again seeing it's seeing beauty from different um views and how I guess how uh, not a modern so, man, yeah. but a more I guess in quotes classic man, or would would see beauty and actually mm. think of it as something that's being pushed onto people. Um, mm-hmm. But again, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Very interesting. Yes, mm. I totally know where, where you're coming from. Yeah. yeah, it's it's people people are strange, but we spoke about that already. <laughs> yeah, we talk about it every week. So talking about your brand, and you said it was more gender inclusive, which it absolutely is. Why? What inspired you to create this brand in the first place? I know we kind of touched on it in a tiny bit anyway, but what inspired you to make a brand like Good Light that was more... I mean, you don't necessarily look at it and be like, oh, you know, female, masculine. What Mm. we see as feminine, what we see as masculine. Why is it important to you to make a brand like that? I think it's really important to make a brand that is inclusive to all people from all Mm. spectrums. Because makeup and cosmetics has no gender identity, right? Mm -hmm. They are tools to empower you and to make you look and feel your best. Growing up in Colorado Springs, Colorado, I was the only lone Asian person growing up in, in my school. And it was very, very isolating. I I felt as if I was less than or invisible Mm -hmm. or told I wasn't beautiful. Mm -hmm. But I was a kid who slathered my face with SPF 100. And I went (laughs) to school because my Korean mother, she was like, you cannot go to school if you don't douse your face with SPF 100. Back then, unfortunately, there weren't any invisible kind of uh, sunscreen. I was going to say, And so I had this gray cast. (laughs) And you can imagine, I'm going to have a widow's peak. So I look like a vampire. Yeah, perfect. Going to school. Perfect. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> it would be chic right now, but when I was right. five years old, it was mortifying. Oh. But my my mother and my father were immigrants from South Korea. And mm. now in retrospect, I know that it was a means of self-preservation and self-love mm. to really survive mm. racism in our small town. Yeah. And so with every five minutes in the morning, every five minutes at night, it was really pampering yourself or hugging your face or looking in the mirror and, and that self-actualization and, and really having that moment to yourself, pouring mm, yes. over your pores, looking over and saying, oh, I have an extra freckle or, oh, I'm getting mm, yeah. wrinkles here and there. And I think that was a means for them to really pull through. Years later, it was very jarring to me as a beauty consumer to go into an aisle and mm-hmm. see that one aisle was hyper-masculine, mm-hmm. one aisle was hyper-feminine. And when I, what I mean is in one section, it's always the bearded bro uh, yes. touting, <laughs> you know, beard oils or yes. razors or shaving Gun metal packaging. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really feel as if I was a part of that or that the marketing wasn't for me or perhaps mm. that razor wasn't for someone like me. Right. And in the, you know, the opposite spectrum, I almost felt like going into the other aisle was so hyper-feminine only for women as if men didn't belong in the makeup aisle or as if we exactly. didn't also love an eyeshadow mm-hmm. or, you know, having a great highlighter. 
And so it was a very, very uh, strange experience. I'm someone who loves to pamper myself. I shave, but I also wear makeup. And so Mm -hmm. where do I belong? And Mm -hmm. it almost just felt so antiquated in 2021 to gender, you know, genderize makeup products and Mm -hmm. to genderize these beauty items because we know that they're for everyone at the end of the day. And so we wanted to come out with a statement. We're not a genderless brand because we Mm -hmm. want to honor people's lived in experience Right. and long fought for gender identities. So we mm-hmm. want to be gender inclusive. And I know there's yes. a lot of brands that say we're genderless, you know, that we're, we're for everyone. But mm-hmm. genderless doesn't really uh, consider your fought for, long fought for, and proud gender identity. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we are gender inclusive. And I hope that in the future when we do expand into different SKUs, we will continue in the marketing and continuing behind the scenes on, on what that means and, and bring people in the conversation and lead people kind of into this more inclusive future. Yeah. yeah, I think that's what originally struck me about your brand as well. Because go, going back to what you said about taking that time in the mirror to look over your face and like you say, hug your face. And I feel like this year skincare has gone um, what like two ways. You either have your um, completely functional skincare. And mm. There's some amazing dermatologists online and they've given such amazing free information for everyone. Um, but they're very fun, like function, you know, are over fun. Whereas... Oh, you've got the other t- other side, which is fun packaging, but really good products, like products that really, really work. They really are the whole package. So I feel like that to emphasize that skincare is also self-love and self-care and not just something you have to do to let your skin function normally, I think it's so important. And I think going back to the, um, the Good Light brand, there is something about it that is so... Um, you connect with it pretty instantly because mm. it's not like, as you say, genderless oh. and the fact that all oh, the bottles um white and silver right. and mm. they're nu- neutral <laughs> colours, you know? Right. Or it's like, there's something about that there's still style there. There's mm. like an art there as well that people you still want to connect with the brand you don't want to be a completely blank canvas that you can mm. just be like oh i'm allowed to use that because it's for anyone mm. this is it, it really is a brand whose packaging the campaigns is is just so what, what, it's just like it's, natural it's, it's, it's like it's not forcefully done and saying Which, about the campaigns mm. as well it it isn't um mm. you see yourself in the campaigns you see your skin texture in the campaigns you see your skin type you see someone in your campaigns that you connect with as well well that's a friend that you actually know in right, real life exactly. they're not a model they're not like a, well you know like a, a runway model it's so yes. but it's it's not overdone which i feel like a lot that's of it. brands are doing nowadays who it's not inclusive. overdone because there's thought behind it and mm. there's, there's a genuine like passion um, people that have lived these lives exactly that's that it it's these. not like we're now we're suddenly releasing a pride collection because it's pride month and then you know and then everyone moves on it's, it's actually a, yes. a brand where you can see the experience behind it and I think that's that's what's important as well as you know it's coming from a place of um, being genuine yeah. and not just we're doing right. it at this point because this is what everyone's doing yeah. you know? and we have to do it it doesn't right. think you have to do it <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I want to touch on something just very quickly as well about um, the, the two seeing two genders in store, seeing uh, male and female, and it, again for the people that maybe don't feel like they fit into any of those, where there's all the pink bic razors, and then there's all the blue bic Cuc- bic cucumbers razors. only for women. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Passion fruits only for women. Yeah. And and <laughs> again, it's so important to see something that where people um, aren't pressured into um, conforming, I guess, to a gender and being like, okay, that one's for me. I have to like fresh cotton. I have cherry. to like fresh cotton or I have to like the smell of like, I don't know, musk. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I like the smell of musk. I like the smell of musk. <laughs> I 
love that you brought that point up because for us, we don't want to have to hit the nail on the head and say, we are gender inclusive mm-hmm. and everything is shouting from the rooftops. This is our real lived, lived in experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. These are the people I hang out with. This is mm-hmm. my world. And it should just be seamless and it should just look like real life. And yeah. it should be a reflection of your values and your community. Mm-hmm. And yeah. from very good light, what I learned, we, you know, I launched this in um, 2016, the website, which was all about redefining masculinity mm-hmm. that was a community that came and that was a community that we built together and you know the marketing campaigns were so essential that we had real people from yeah. all mm-hmm. body sizes to skin textures i love right. that you brought that up yeah. and also uh from different backgrounds i mean three of our models are non-binary we had a male model a female model uh an indigenous model who we we rarely see in in marketing campaigns Absolutely. a southeast asian model you know a darker deeper skin toned black model and i think that for me it's just that is what's beautiful because that's my friendship group this is my lived in experience it's my Mm -hmm. genuine experience so um i know that it feels icky and a lot of times we see marketing campaigns we're like oh like Mm. i feel like it was so forced and they're trying to do this because they want to be inclusive Mm. but diversity equity inclusion has always been what i stood for i became a journalist you know Mm. a decade ago more than a decade ago because i never saw myself and because i was so young and i felt that pain of being otherized and feeling invisible and disenfranchised i never wanted anyone to feel that way i never wanted anyone to feel the pain of feeling as if you don't belong or as if you are less than or not Mm -hmm. beautiful beauty is in the eye of the beholder you are that beholder i am Mm -hmm. my own beholder of my beauty and that's what we want to promote with good light yeah i um notice that you said that good light really um and the good light in general is kind of um not just targeted to but like younger millennial millennials and gen z um do you think gen z the the youngest of the gen z are growing up in a completely not completely different world but maybe they are experiencing uh beauty in particular in a completely different way that we did when we grow up i feel like there's so much mm. it's so so different now like literally within like the change we've seen in just the two last two years or even last year has been so insane. Do you think they're, they're, they don't quite have that experience we had as far as like that or that? But you have to have that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that Gen Z grew up. They're the first generation that grew up digitally, right? Mm-hmm. So essentially, they grew up with an iPhone out of the womb. Yeah. And they <laughs> that in turn made them more globalized and uh, their world smaller because mm-hmm. they could see what people are doing in Korea or in Paris or in the UK where you both exactly. live. And, and so I think that they have a deeper and, and more, uh, uh, I guess, they're more aware of how the world works and how diversity works and why it's important to mm. promote diversity. Whereas when we were growing up, and I don't want to assume how you both grew up in the UK, but when I was growing up, I never saw, you know, plus size models. I never saw Asian models. I never mm. still see Asian men, you know, represented mm. in an authentic way in the media. Mm-hmm. We still have a lot of work to do. But I will say Gen Z is very hyper aware of that. And they're going to fight tooth and nail for justice. And they're going to stand with you. And that's what I am inspired by. I'm like, wow, we are progressing with the younger generations. Mm. They are loud. They are proud. They are boisterous. And they're not going to back down. And they're going to tell you what they really believe in. And they're fearless. And I really do really, I respect that about that generation. Mm. We do too. We we all, sorry to cut you off. We always make this like TikTok joke about, you know, the Gen Z, they're on TikTok and all this kind of stuff. But 
uh, essentially younger millennials and Gen Z want the same thing. Mm. We really do. And there's, you know, I know it's all just banter, really, but there's the whole millennials versus Gen Z thing as well online. But <laughs> the hair part just... in the middle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no skinny jeans. Um, they're so comfortable. I don't know why we can't wear skinny jeans. Um, <laughs> but essentially, we all just want the same thing. But like you said, I feel like Gen Z are loud and proud about it. Mm-hmm. They, You can see they're living it. You can see they're... Um, it sounds so true, but even just the way they dress like if kids yeah. our age dress when we were that age dressed like that you'd be called like a circus freak because you have a bit of color in your hair do you mm. mean like there'd be more ex- much, exactly. much more experimental and mm-hmm. open and it's like it's like you were saying when we were growing up we didn't see a certain type of model it was always the same type of model actually heroin i remember was a thing. that remember? was a thing mm-hmm. i remember looking through like when we used to have catalogs because you couldn't, couldn't shop online oh, yeah. always the same models always the same mm-hmm. on every it was always every different guy color, every different yeah brand. exactly mm. and so we've we've grown up with i guess and uh a standard of beauty that's been put on us like this is beauty that's beauty which everybody knows whereas Gen Z are growing up with brands like yours Mm. that have all these different people and this is the standard of beauty this is what beauty is so uh, somewhere in the backs of our minds we were always told actually I wonder if sorry completely off off topic but I wonder if we grew up with like celebrities, right? Being our role models, mm. like um, and models, like you know Kate Moss and Naomi. Well, actually, we're not we're not that old, but Kate Moss, <laughs> like Naomi Campbell, didn't we? Like being the big models at the time, and um, I wonder if it's because Gen Z also are grown up with influencers. Their idols are these people of all mm. shapes and sizes. They can choose who their idols they can are. So we didn't really get a choice, are. did we? Yeah. We were told. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, I think we have all in the Western world been conditioned to believe that masculinity looks a certain way or mm-hmm. that beauty looks a certain way. Yeah. And it's very westernized, it's very colonized, and yes. it really does come from erasure. And it's very deliberate, right? When we think yeah. about how the Western world was created, it was through white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And through. And so when we do our homework and we look back in time and understand why these structures are in place, they were very deliberate to benefit one sort of person right. and yes. one sort of people in power. And I think the remnants... And are still around, obviously, and they seep through every crack and every pore of mm-hmm. our society. Mm-hmm. But right now, we are doing the work, and we're also questioning everything that we know, and mm, we must yeah. do that so that mm-hmm. we can overcome. And I'm really, really just really very proud of diverse folks or diverse-minded folks that are standing with other communities and Mm. are allying with other communities too because together we are making an impact and i think the beauty industry has to listen and they're like okay well the consumers are all demanding this even if it's coming from a facetious place and we don't Mm. really believe it we're going to have to do it because that's what they want and that's what they demand and if it's genuine or not it's still making an impact because we're seeing the ripple effects we're seeing the trickle down effects and and other people are now feeling seen and they're Mm -hmm. feeling beautiful and empowered and i think that's a really good thing Yeah, yeah agreed completely i let's talk a little bit about how we feel, allegedly in our opinion, <laughs> brands see oh, um, gender. Reasons, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> brands see gender. So if we're talking, let's, for example, we say we see four men, four women. Do you think brands think it's important to separate those two? I think so. And mm. I think when we look at history, not to go back to history, but everything we need to delve into and, and question right. why. Mm-hmm. 
But if you look at the history of the gender binary, it was created to really serve a purpose of division. Mm -hmm. And I think the words masculinity and femininity, if you dissect what those words mean, they really don't mean anything. Like, you're calling me feminine because I wear makeup. Well, Mm -hmm. men have always worn makeup, so how is that feminine? Or that woman is so masculine because she's wearing a suit. Well... Women also have always worn clothes that were kind of more gender inclusive throughout the years and history. So what does that exactly mean? And I think that we have to really be conscious of this division and why it occurred. And it's because of the patriarchy, right? Mm -hmm. It's because of men in power were afraid that women could take control. And so it was this misogynistic feeling and this idea that men were superior because they could grow facial hair or they Mm -hmm. were stronger or their Mm -hmm. physicality. Which makes no sense. It doesn't. That doesn't make you more powerful, um, or have more agency. That really, what it, what it does prove as is, is that throughout history, one type of person has always been in power because they were afraid of the mm, other. Yes. And I think oh this trickle-down effect yeah. of misogyny, of hating or fearing women, has really been effective because in the 21st century, we see remnants of, yeah. of that. And so when we say, okay this is a masculine product and this is a feminine product. Mm. Are we still kind of promoting this misogynistic idea or patriarchal idea that Mm. this type of person is supposed to be this way and that type of person is supposed to be grouped in that manner? Mm. Right. But I do think that... Since, you know, we do live in a binary, uh, it's it's very still effective for brands to, say, make up for men. Mm. Or, you know, this is for this type of person because, by and large, we all haven't woken up to the idea that we've been conditioned mm. along the binary yeah. and these gender roles that were yeah. unfairly placed upon us. Yeah. And so because of that reason, I do still think that we have a lot of work to do. And I understand why brands are marketing their products to men, to women this is masculine this is feminine because we have to uh detach ourselves from that conditioning right i'd love to ask your opinion on um a brand that became quite like a, a hot topic um war paint so the makeup for men I, do right. you know yeah so i'd love to i again there was like two sides of the argument i think there was one that this is ridiculous like why war and men and guns and you know like why does it have to be such a masculine thing mm-hmm. then the other side was like well if they want to use that, let them use it kind of thing. It, and it, I, people have seen it more as like a, well, if men are go, if we're going to um, like not have such a big divide, is this like an ease in to lessen that divide? Men wearing makeup coming out of there. Feeling um, comfortable because it's got yeah, war it's on the front cigarette of it. Case. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it's ridiculous know. things like that. Yeah. Do you think, what? what's your opinion on that? Do you think it's, it's, it's productive, productive or counterproductive? Yeah. At first, I was like, why do we have to stroke the egos of Mm. male fragility or masculine fragility? Why is it that we have to put war or we need to Mm. make this into something that is hyper-masculine? Because at the end of the day, what is hyper-masculinity? It is an over-exaggeration of what we have been conditioned to think is masculinity. So it's someone who is oftentimes over-hyper-sexualized or Mm -hmm. someone who is overly aggressive in Mm. their expression. And that all leads to violence, right? Mm-hmm. Hypermasculinity leads to violence. Absolutely. And so when I saw war paint, 
the first reaction I had was, oh, you know, this is this will lead to violence. It'll propel this notion of fragile masculinity or mm-hmm. misguided masculinity. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, people use the word toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I don't like to use that term anymore. I think it's dated. Mm-hmm. I like to say misguided masculinity, yeah. people who have not been able to understand their own identities. Mm-hmm. But I really do think that there's a market fortunately or unfortunately for a type of man who needs a concealer but perhaps is too ashamed or too afraid to go into a sephora and get fenty or go into you know the beauty aisle at a local boots or cvs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and go to the women's aisle because it hasn't been normalized still right so i think collectively we all have the ability and i would say the onus is upon all of us to change the narrative and say hey when it comes to marketing, why can't we normalize makeup for all? Why is yeah. it still stigmatized? Yeah. And I think men are so afraid. Men don't want permission from other women. They want permission from yeah. other men. Yeah. They care yeah. about what other yeah. men yeah. think about them. Yeah. And so yeah. I think we just need to normalize this. Normalize that masculinity isn't a narrow construct or definition. Mm-hmm. That masculinity is vast. Masculinity mm-hmm. is big. Masculine expression can encompass a lot of things. But also we need to understand that femininity is also powerful and divine. And that mm-hmm. all of us yeah. have yeah. that uh, great mix between masculinity and feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And it's that yin and yang together mm-hmm. that make us a whole and very healthy person. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Very well put. Yes. And when I know everyone asks me again, I'm just going to play that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know, but note. listen to this. <laughs> Talking about, um, <clears throat> oh, you, you mentioned brands kind of putting things out there, makeup out there being more, not just aimed at, you know, people who are feminine. How could, um, or do you think there's a reason why brands are maybe too scared to almost rebrand themselves? And like brands that are considered more, classic um classic brands like let's say for example Estee Lauder or something like that or YSL where you they're in department stores and it's usually um you know all um mature women all smells like rose all smells like rose um (laughs) (laughs) do you think there is or do you think brands are scared to try and start including everyone I think brands are terrified Mm. of these cultural shifts that are happening in seismic ways that aren't just happening, you know, in decades. It's happening overnight, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that brands are really rethinking their entire marketing plan or what they believe in and what they stand for. I think, unfortunately, these brands really don't stand for a bigger mission, except for capitalism and Mm -hmm. being out there and gaining as much as they can. Mm -hmm. Um, But smaller brands are starting out with missions, right? We have brands like Self Made, which is all about mental health, or Good Mm -hmm. Light, which is all about gender inclusivity. Mm -hmm. Um, And and there's brands like Rare Beauty by Selena Mm -hmm. Gomez that that are also about mental health. And I think that you have to stand for something now where you fall for everything. And unfortunately, these big conglomerates has have never stood for anything they've never yeah. stood for a social cause and in their yeah. dna it's not in there mm-hmm. and so i think that they are pivoting and trying to pivot fast fast see what is authentic to them what is real to them but it's very difficult it's yeah. a very difficult transition because they do have a built-in audience and customer base that they right. don't want to alienate but at yeah. the same time they're thinking we need to progress into the future beauty is the way through mm-hmm. and i think that beauty is the most progressive industries out there And so how do they 
kind of pivot that's in an authentic way. Now, that's a real challenge that I feel like every brand is thinking and trying to tiptoe around. But it's something that they need to do quickly or else they're going to be irrelevant in the next few years or next few months. Yeah. We did recently... um, I thought of that question because we did a panel not that long ago. It was with, like a private panel. Yeah. Um, over the fa- over the face. No, what was it? Zoom. Zoom, that's it. Zoom. I keep always forget <laughs> what it's called. Zoom. Yeah, over the Zoom. Little Zoom. And um it was with bigger brands and we can we can we couldn't see them, but we knew they were there. Yeah, they were and watching. they were asking us a lot of questions, and that one in particular as well, or sorry, the one I'm gonna ask you is they a lot of them were asking, how can a brand like Clinique, Essay Lauder, what can they do, do you think, to start um, including everyone and not seeing like they're being like, Is more... it as simple as changing packaging? Is it right. as simple as changing the names to make them, you know, more, le- less fluffy or less hard-hitting? Do mm-hmm. like, And that's the kind of questions we were getting was like, oh, should we change our packaging from pink to clear? And it's like, <laughs> it's not... Again, it's a, that thing of like, we, we gave an example of like deodorant. It's like, we were saying cucumber is always, women's deodorant is cucumber and something. And men's is always... Gym, I don't know. Green, <laughs> leather, leather, and tobacco. You know, and it's it's oh, all gosh. these things that are considered so. It's like they were getting it wrong. They were like, "What do we do? What do we do? Do we change the packaging?" It was like, "No, it's just like... allow us to pick." Basically. And we, like... that's it. And we were saying, and like you were saying, brands are starting now with a mission, and people um, see brands like they are people. It's not like, you know, it's like a good light is my friend because this is how they see the world. You know, mm. rare beauty is my friend because this is how they see the world. Whereas you don't go, oh, um, I don't know, Clinique's uh, my friend because they all wear lab coats. Like, it's not like, <laughs> it, that's not something you, you think of, you know? Yeah. And uh, people now are picking brands based on, like, they're picking friends. Mm, so right. if we were to say, for example, I know I keep using Estee Lauder and Clinique as a... Because you're I familiar mean, They're the best them. example. If we were to change our friend, Estee Lauder, do you think there's a way that they can pivot and be like, in a genuine way, that seems genuine, where they can be like, okay, our brand isn't just for what we consider feminine people or females. You know, I have, I have mixed feelings about this because mm. everyone deserves to be redeemed or try to do the right thing. But if you're even asking that question, how can we be more inclusive or how Mm. can we be Mm -hmm. more of this generation? You're already behind because that means that the decision makers inside who are creating these brands or have the agency aren't from the communities that you're trying to market to. Right. And so if you're trying to be more inclusive, do you have enough Asian people in management, enough black folks who are, you know, heading these departments? Do you have enough people who are, you know, not just on the gender binary, non-binary folks or trans folks who are also a part of your departments? Mm -hmm. And that's where I kind of have to question these brands and say, okay, you don't know the answers and you should know the answers because Mm. that should be who is making the decision. Are you trying to capitalize on diversity and inclusion or are you actually being diverse and inclusive? Mm. Are you paying someone to tell you what DE&I is or are you practicing it within your own company? And that's what brands really need to ask themselves. If you don't know and if you're asking, then maybe you should question uh, your own company. Look around and if there's only one person that maybe looks different or everyone has the same morals and values as you do perhaps it's time time to have some self-reflection and Mm. really pivot in that way first before you try to change your brand 
Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, again, if we were saying like brands are people, it's kind of, you can't just be like, oh, okay, now I'm I'm just saying this. You have to kind of do some more, do the I guess, work. self-realization. Do yeah, work. and do the work yes. to change yourself and actually changes the wrong well I guess it is changing yourself but to, to see you know the world in a certain way you can't just be like okay everyone's saying you need to do this so let's do it but that's it like you said you, we want to see brands as a person mm. nowadays mm. we want to know like would we be friends with this brand would we hang out with them would we support them and their their views mm. so it's like you said and that only comes from like you said authenticity from the inside so Right. And you can't, this is, this is the problem with brands right now, not only in beauty, because DE&I is such a buzzword right now. Everyone wants to capitalize on that. And everyone wants to say, I took a course, my hands are clean and I can just move on. We're Mm. not racist. And we did our homework. No. DE&I is a lifelong journey Mm. and you have to dismantle what you think every single day. And that takes a lot of work and effort. Mm. And I think if you want to be diverse, hire a diverse pool, but that doesn't mean that you're inclusive, right? Diversity and inclusion are two different meanings. You can have a diverse workplace, but are you including people in the decisions? Mm -hmm. Are you Mm -hmm. including people in the workplace activities? Are you including a diverse thought to really be implemented? Mm -hmm. And these are the things that conglomerates are still not doing and I can't tell you enough there are so many brands I have friends who work at major major beauty brands and they tell me that it's just all about performance and performative on social media they have to make a statement they have to make a a small donation so that they don't Mm -hmm. get called out but do they really care Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, speaking about your book, one word I instantly connected with was the word pretty. Um, We're saying before that, as someone who um, whose career previously was majority for men, every title was for men, Mm -hmm. grooming for men, Mm -hmm. skincare for men, styling for men. The word grooming I didn't connect to, um, handsome I never connect to. Pretty was something that I always felt I connected with and wanted 
over handsomeness mm, or masculinity yeah. or mm. oh you know you, you look like a real like sm- in suits and stuff you I, look, I, like, I never you wanted, look really suave yeah, yeah I never wanted any of that I wanted to look <laughs> cute I wanted to look pretty I wanted to look nice you know mm. and there, there just seems to be this time like go back to your book and the history of makeup and all these kind of things when did the word pretty become such a taboo for men to be called pretty you know yes mm. I love that question it is such a very smart question. We have a chapter in the book that poses that question. When did men stop wearing makeup? Mm. That's actually the first chapter that sets up the entire book because everyone has that question. Mm. But before that, let's unpack the word pretty, right? Because in a lot of ways, when we call a man or a mask identifying person pretty, we use that as a pejorative to put them down, mm-hmm. to gain power or over mm-hmm. them, to take away their agency, to embarrass them, yes, or yeah. so on and so forth. And so when you say you're pretty, you're a pretty boy. That means uh, you look like a woman, maybe. Right. Um, you uh, are weak, like a woman. Mm-hmm. You are too into your aesthetics, so do we need to question your sexuality? Mm-hmm. So it has these undertones, these nefarious undertones of misogyny and homophobia. And so pretty has always been weaponized against most guys throughout our modern history. But when we look back in history, men and mask identifying folks have always enjoyed being pretty Mm -hmm. and beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, we go back to our Neanderthal forefathers 50,000 years ago, BCE. This was a time that Neanderthals were roaming the world and and, and inhabiting Earth long before humans. But we have our misconception of cavemen, Neanderthals, Mm. that they were just Mm. grunting kind of uh, creatures who threw rocks together and called it a day. (laughs) But they were, they actually innately wanted to beautify. And so they would ground up pyrite and use it on their face for highlighters. And they would use foundation. So I just teared up. My eyes just went wet. <laughs> a tribal thing. Yeah. It wasn't a tribal thing. It was a beautifying oh, no thing. Way. Yes. And so when we look into our innate selves and our Neanderthals, who are our cousins, they innately, men, women, and everyone wanted to beautify. But when we look at powerful leaders like Pharaoh Ramses, or when we look into powerful people like uh, Cyrus the Great, or when we look at these powerful kings like King Louis XIV, these powerful men were the pinnacle of beauty, Mm. pinnacle of masculinity, of might. They were godly creatures. But they happen to all wear makeup, happen to wear wigs. I mean, King Louis XIV started the entire wig trend in the 1700s because he might have had an STI and he was like, "Uh, I'm losing all my hair so I can one, go bald. Or two, start a wig trend. Yeah. And he started a wig trend. And just like Regina George from Mean Girls, who cut out boobs, <laughs> right. you know, circles in her boobs and made a trend. He was like, I'm going to marry, I'm going to wear these wigs and everyone's going to follow suit. And it became this huge thing. And even with Pharaoh Ramses, who is arguably the most powerful Pharaoh in history, wore eyeliner, wore coal around his eyes because it was godly. Mm. Before he got out of bed, he had dozens of servants who, when he awoke, they're waiting by to clip his nails, to dunk him in milk, to exfoliate his skin with milk and honey, to scrub down his body. Sugaring was a practice where they uh, essentially waxed every part of his body so he had no hair anywhere. Oh, Oh, my God. And, you know, then he would wear this wig. And the wig was a sign of uh, masculinity. And Mm. also it was a sign of royalty and godliness. And so when we look at the most powerful beings... 
I mean, assassins too. We're going back into 600 Shinla Dynasty Korea. There were these assassins called the Hwarang, and they were basically called the Hwarang because they were called the pretty boys. It means flower boys in oh, Korean. Yeah. They were assassins who were the most beautiful men, handpicked by the king. They had to be beautiful because he believed that Maitreya, who was the most beautiful Buddha god in the Buddhist religion, was a pretty boy. And his spirit lived oh. and breathed with other people who were pretty. And so he chose, just like a K-pop competition, he was like, who are the prettiest <laughs> boys? Okay, you're like Maitreya. You're like Maitreya. Come into our assassinship. And they became the most fierce warriors in, in Korea, but they happen to wear makeup as a oh spiritual practice. And so throughout history, all men, mask identifying folks have beautified more in a tribal way, mm. but as a means of expression, right. as a means of spirituality to feel connected to a higher power. And it was only during the enlightenment period, which really did F everything up when people needed to be more serious. Mm. So in the 1700s in Europe, when we're just talking about the Western world, there was a group of people called the Macaroni. I don't know if you've yes. um, heard about the Macaroni yeah. in, oh, yeah, in British culture. <laughs> oh, so the Macaroni were these kind of pretentious, and I would say that they were like the hipsters right. of their day. Yeah. They came back from studying abroad, and they wore tighter clothes oh, because they were like so very learned mm. from going to Europe or around Europe, like Italy or France. They adopted wigs and extravagant clothing and also makeup. So when they came home, they were lampooned, and people were like, uh, they're, we're going to call them Macaroni because all they eat is this weird Italian dish called macaroni. So let's just facetiously poke fun of them and call them the macaroni. Mm. But these macaroni were these lavish men who wore makeup, who wore rouge, who cared so much about their appearance, but were villainized for it. And it's funny because if you look at cartoons, there's a cartoon um, of this this man in rural uh, Britain, and he has a stick, and he's poking at his son's hat that he has on his wig. And he's like, where did my son go? Why do you look like this and I was laughing because I was like that's what my dad did when I came back from college wearing skinny jeans like it shows that generationally like father sons or like people and humans are all the same But it was so fascinating because, you know, men wore makeup, men wore wigs, but it was until the 1800s, the Enlightenment period, and the Victorian era, Mm. which was so stark, Mm. that that ended. And macaroni and men who wore makeup were despised. And Mm. they were were celebrities of their time because everyone was fascinated with them. But by the end of the 1700s, early 1800s, when the Victorian period came over, when this new mindset of being stark and you have to be serious, and if you did anything frivolous, it was considered less than and feminine mm. and you were a uh, subhuman and so the enlightenment the enlightenment period and the victorian era came about and that was exacerbated by a world war and mm. so colonization and war and also people really wanting to put their flags on other nations uh, that really propelled this idea that men have to be hyper masculine and they couldn't do anything that was frivolous everything had to be serious mm. and so I would say that that was really the turning point of when men had to stop being so soft quote unquote and had to be more hyper masculine because they were propelled into war yeah. mm. and the war era also created this gender divide and the binary I mean, a little even before that, women were considered less than because they weren't as physically strong. Mm. And, you know, it was very deliberate that kings had to bring women down because they needed to, you know, assert their power. But if you look at the history and the historical text in the 1900s, World War One, we're talking it's not that long ago, mm. men were shipped off to war. 
And who was left behind to take over the jobs? Women Women were. Mm. And so men who had these uh, jobs of manual labor at the post office or at factories, they needed to fill these positions. And if all the men were out in the war, the women took over. And the women weren't used to working these jobs. And because the men were very much supposed to be hyper-masculine, that forced women to be hyper feminine right. and so if you look at the advertising in the early 1900s it's all about if you're if you're american and if you really are nationalistic you need to wear makeup and lipstick mm-hmm. and, and pantyhose because the men coming back they feel that. as yeah. if they've been replaced yeah. and they feel as if they're not inspired so you need to be a cheerleader for them mm. and you need to ensure that they have something to look forward to and that's when the pinup girl came about and that's where you know brands like tangine and and uh you know all of these uh, uh, makeup brands capitalize mm. on war to yes, really inculcate yeah. into women that they needed to look hyper, hyper mm, feminine. Mm. And so that was a lasting remnant of even today in 2021, when we don't realize that makeup has always been universal and something empowering for men. Mm. And that, you know, when we look at it, the undertones of the cosmetics industry is very misogynistic. Mm. And it is very much about forcing women to look a certain way to satisfy men and their fantasies Mm. and for objectification. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, very interesting. It's very fascinating. But what is very, very evil and nefarious, I think, is the remnants of this idea that men have to be a certain way and Mm. women have to be a certain way. And we're not even considering non-binary folks. Right. I find it so strange because it's, I don't know if it's just growing up like as a gay man, but all for, I would say even throughout our childhood, our idols were females, whether it was like mm. Sailor Moon being like our very first like female <laughs> idol ever, to being then growing up with all these amazing like, I, I feel like this is very predominant within like the gay community, right? Like we idolize. Mine was Storm from X-Men. I oh, love yes. Storm from X-Men. But like oh, the original TV animation. Yeah. Like, yes. And we, we idolize and we see these like amazingly strong female characters. And to me, they've always been way more inspiring in my life than, I don't know, um, Sergeant Smith. I don't know. Wolverine. Do you know what I mean? Like, Wolverine. Yeah. Wolverine. <laughs> you know? Captain America. Yeah. 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 Isn't this strange? I think that it's because gay people, and I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but I think that gay men have always been in tune with their emotions Mm. and their softness and Mm. their femininity, Mm. and it's powerful, right? And so when we look at other people who embody femininity, like, say, a storm or Sailor Moon, but are still powerful, Mm. we are drawn to that, Mm. right? We are drawn to that femininity because that's what we see is strong and what we see that's strong about us, too, subconsciously. But I really do think that when we say, even in our communities everywhere, that, oh, it's so feminine. Like, why are you so girly? Like, we need to stop doing that Mm. because the undertones are misogynistic. Yeah, it is. You're saying that uh, you're girly and that's a bad thing. Mm. Or when you say, oh, she is a tomboy. That's a good thing Mm. because she's more like a guy. Right? And so we need to understand why we think certain ways. Mm. And it's very intentional because we've been conditioned to believe masculinity is is more powerful or it's something that we should aspire to be compared to femininity. Yeah. But we all need to understand that we have both yeah. and we have to balance that out. Mm. Yeah. This is like a comment I often get because I usually have nail polish on. I, I like to wear a little, little lip tint. A little bit of lip tint. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously the, the way I act is what's 
considered more feminine, do you know what I mean, for, for a guy. Um, so mm. when I get these comments, like, why do you paint your nails? That's literally the comment, that's a girl's thing to do. I reply, like, why? Like, because I genuinely don't take that as an insult. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. So what's wrong with that? Never get a reply. Mm. Never. These people, these trolls will never come back with a reply to that because they don't understand why they think that themselves. No, exactly. But like, okay, so why is that a bad thing? Mm. Do you know what I mean? They, they, but let's they go to history. Mm. Let's go to history. So the first uh, instance of painting your nails were from the Babylonians, which was thousands of years ago. And Babylonians would go into a salon before battle. So imagine your last day on earth, you might be sliced, you might be have your head chopped off. But before you go into battle, you're like, I'm going to look my best, I'm going to look snatched, I'm going to get my nails done. (laughs) And so they went into a salon, and they had their nails painted, their, their, their manicures and pedicures into a salon. And when we see royals of China, like Chinese, uh, people started the entire fake acrylic nail trend and so royals yes royals would have these golden long nails and that was a symbol of power and royalty so kings and emperors wore these false nails they grew their nails longer and had gold and you know the history of nails is from men and men use this as a symbol of power and so when people are saying you're feminine it's like well actually you're not doing your homework and you're just seeing what we're seeing in the past decade or century Mm. let's go back let's rewind to see that men have always used this nail polish and I have an entire chapter actually on the history of nails I'm genuinely like everything you've said I've been in shock about each one because I genuinely knew nothing I, li- I cannot wait to read that those macaroni like, yes. guys were like the first influencer and I, I think, have to google I think them. some of them got a bit of ahead of themselves like some influencers <laughs> do <laughs> yes. dishing yeah. out discount so codes <laughs> oh my gosh you know it's so interesting when I'm looking at the macaroni I chuckle I'm like they were the influencers of right? the 1700s so and they were treated the same way yeah. it's so many similarities yeah. and it's just so so interesting but even if you okay so as historians will say, the Vikings were very macho, mm, beautiful mm. men. I mean, that's been written everywhere in history right. that they were over six feet tall. They were very muscular. But even the machoist men, the Vikings, who were very intimidating, they had a day called Lager Day, which means bath day, every Saturday. So every Saturday, they would take the entire day to bathe. And this was sacrilegious because in that time period, um, it was very much stigmatized to take a bath. So British people, Anglo-Saxons, they would not take baths because it was considered unchristian-like. And because you had to get naked, it oh wasn't God. very, it wasn't something that you should do. So queens, like um, Queen Elizabeth I, she probably bathed, what, twice a year? Or no, twice in her lifetime. Twice in her lifetime. So these people never bathed. What they would do is they would take like maybe a wet cloth and just like, you know, get the grime off. But they all believed that if you had grime on your body, bacteria wouldn't go into your body. But the Vikings were like, "Uh, that's disgusting. We're going to actually bathe Bathe. once a week. (laughs) And so everyone judged them. They're like, they are so pagan. They are evil. But the Vikings also, next to their sword and shield, had a grooming kit full of scissors or tweezers or combs, and they were really into their aesthetics. And so even the most macho of men, the pinnacle of masculinity in many people's minds, they were beauty boys. They loved to pamper themselves. And so what are we saying when we say, okay, pampering yourself or caring too much about your aesthetics isn't manly, when you and I will all agree, probably, like maybe a cis straight man will say, the Vikings were the coolest, they're the most macho. Well, they Mm. were beauty boys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
And they were beauty boys. Oh my god! I and so love yes, that. we have this entire chapter called "You've Got Nail," ah. and from 3200 BCE, I talk about or I write about the Babylonian military and how um, they all went into a beautiful salon and they would get ready and they'd then have their nail polish, the nails applied, color coordinated with their lips and their eyes. No. And yes, by beauticians. And um, there's an imprint on one of these boxes full of these uh, beautifying tools that says, no man of importance would permit himself to be seen in public unless he had been beautified. These warriors, Babylonian warriors. Oh my God, I love them. (laughs) That is so cool. so good. I can't wait for for your book. It's going to be so incredible. And there's just so much, again, like I I always think I know so much about beauty history from the feminine stuff, like Mm -hmm. um, I'm quoting. Yeah, Feminine? I always forget you can't see these. (laughs) Um, View on everything. It's all about, you know, women in makeup. But to, to go that far back and see, you know, it's been men also from all this time is incredible. Like, we know it, but we don't know it to that mm. extent, you know? Like, that's yes. insane. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I have one last but... question for you, if that's okay, if you have yeah. time. Um, of course. So, one thing I find that I, I'm obsessed with um, K-beauty, Korean skincare. And I, mm. I also find it weird that a lot of people are like, oh, you know, K-beauty is a real trend. And I don't think it's a trend. I think we've learned a lot from Korean skincare. Mm. I don't think it's it's never been a trend because it's existed the whole time. Right. <laughs> we've just picked up on it. We've learned so much, all these amazing ingredients that we would have never used before in the Western world. One thing I do see is that there seems to be a lot more um, makeup for men on the market in South Korea. Things like lip tints, um, BB cushions, BB creams. Things that maybe makeup, makeup that, for men brands wouldn't have maybe. Yeah, here, even example. like touched on. Do you think that's something, again, that we can learn from the South Korean like beauty industry as far as kind of cutting down that little bit of a, a wall when it comes to makeup for men and men's, um, how, how men see um cosmetics in general and skincare and makeup and all that kind of stuff yes i think that that's such a a great question when you go to south korea every man is wearing bb cream they Mm. have the dewiest complexions Mm. they all have their eyebrows done and they really care about their outer appearance Mm. because in korea you know if you respect yourself you're going to respect how you present to the world Mm. and it's very confucianist if you look at confucianism it's all about presenting yourself to the world in a respectful way Mm. And I think that Korean men and women, everyone in general, really puts an emphasis on respecting themselves so that other people will respect them as Mm -hmm. well. And so in this culture, men, for men, it's not stigmatized to wear makeup, to care about skincare. Mm -hmm. It's expected. It's like, Mm -hmm. um, why would you want to look like a heathen or why would you want to go out of your way to look like you're not put together when you have an option or choice to do so? It was very fascinating when I was in the metro or the subways of South Korea there are these military guys who are in the military, mm. but they have bags of Innisfree because they have street masks oh. in there and their skincare. And I'm like, this is so amazing and special mm. that it's not considered taboo or feminine to care about yourself. Mm. It's the most masculine act because the most masculine act is caring about yourself and self-preservation and self-love. Yeah. And I think that Korean men really do embody that. And I'll leave you with this. It was very fascinating looking at a report. This was back in you know 2017. It probably may have changed. They did a survey of young 20s men in college, and they asked them, what's one thing you would do if you're late to class? What What's that one thing you would never leave the house without? And I was like, 
obviously it was brushing your teeth, right? Yeah, like yeah. washing your face. And I was surprised because it's not. For South Korean men, they said that they would never leave the house without doing their eyebrows. And I was like, oh, yeah. Excuse me? You would not leave the house without doing your eyebrows? And I was like, wow, the culture is so different mm. but so interesting yeah. that eyebrows signify masculinity and power right. and they would yeah. never be without their, their eyebrows. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. But, you know, that's how progressed, you know, South Koreans are. And obviously, you know, K-pop stars are so sexy and the epitome, of, I would say, of, of just beautiful mm. men. But it's interesting because I also feel... And I kind of touch upon this in the book. I almost feel like the history of Korea has been through the Parang, the warriors. Mm. And maybe they've been resurrected from century to century, generation to generation. The pretty boy mentality mm. and that mantra has been passed down mm. from centuries before from their ancestors. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Again, I, I can't wait to read I your book. I cannot wait. It's going to be so incredible. It's going to be so good. I feel like we could talk forever, yeah. but we must leave it there. We'll let you get <laughs> Yes. Thank you so yes. much. That was so incredible. I think we both Thank learned you. something. Um, and everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to share any socials of us? Anything apart uh, as well as your book? Like, uh, you said the date already. Oh my god, I wanted to talk loads more about your skin cut. But listen, go onto my YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about oh. it nonstop for the next couple of months because I love it. Um, it it's incredible. There'll be a review there. Thank, you, so <laughs> Thank yeah. you. You know, I want to say you can find us at goodlight.world on TikTok and also on Instagram. You can follow at very good light if you want. To to read reviews or editorials and you can find me at socialite but i just want to say thank you so much both of you for providing a safe space and providing mm. me to feel comfortable to talk about these oh, subjects and oh, i feel pleasure. like i can just gab on with you too yes. and i feel like we're immediately bffs yes. and i definitely need to hang out with you both but thank you for all you do and just sort of being so warm and lovely and, and just beautiful human beings oh, oh thank our pleasure you. thank you it's not very often we hear that so no. <laughs> <laughs> don't go on reddit <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I love that episode this week, that but it was, was a long perfect. episode. I cannot wait for that book to come out. I'm so excited. I'm we'll post a picture of it. And, yeah, we came away from that that mm. um, chat. So excited about the book. So excited about what we can genuinely learn because you're yeah. so into makeup history. Yeah. But there's just some stuff that isn't as well documented. So the research that we've had to go into that book is incredible. And I want to know more. Um, I want to feel manly with my nail varnish. Exactly. I think like I, I feel said, like I'm going in, to war. Yeah. <laughs> like I said in, in the episode, it's so like, um, we, we see a lot about beauty and history and how men told women they couldn't do this and they had to do that, which is beauty history pretty much. Mm. But very rarely do we see the part where men wore makeup and just, and did all these amazing glamorous things like the, the spas um, David was telling us about oh, and the, the salons. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I cannot wait for that to come out read more about it i'm just i'm so mm-hmm. excited i've never been excited to read before so this is really something yeah, it looks like it has good good big pictures for us as well yeah, and it's um, in color. <laughs> also remember you can use the code double um to get buy one get one free on good light skincare highly highly recommend again i recommend you double up on the cleanser if you want the full collection oh, robert's just I... put his hair into a middle parting and just trying it just trying, it. Just trying it seen. yeah so you can go to goodlight.world 
and use the code DOUBLE. And just watch, when you go to the homepage, just watch the advertisement on there and just feel good about your own skin, that your skin has texture, that your skin is normal, and normal people look like this, you know? Yes. It's beautiful advertising. Yes. Oh, right. Well, thank you so much. much. And thank you so much again to David for being with us, giving us that discount code and just making an amazing episode with us. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you next week. Yes. We say that, but will we? No, we will. We (laughs) will. (laughs) We have it planned. Sometimes we don't know. It's planned. Sorry, guys. It's planned. We we planned it. We've done it. We've done it. We've done it. Well, I've been Robert Welsh. And I've been James Welsh. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.